it was a light bulb moment for me. I thought there was something seriously wrong with me because like, why did I keep getting sicker? It made no sense. But this book kind of explained what was going on. Over time, we get more sensitized to that because we have neural pathways in our brain. And so the same thing happens with chronic pain that once you're in the chronic pain cycle, like in that danger cycle, when you get frustrated by it, that reinforces those neural pathways and they get strengthened over time. And so that's how people get sicker the longer that they're in chronic pain. And like not every chronic illness is neural pathways pain, but a lot of them are. Hello, hello, hello. All right. Welcome back to Jen's Digest podcast. Uh, today, we want to talk to Lisa. She has a very profound story. And since this season is all about storytelling and knowledge and getting to know really the behind the scenes work of chronic illness, uh, not just gut health, but chronic illness, right? So, uh, with no further ado, introduce yourself, Lisa. Tell us who you are, what you do, your story. Tell yes, us. Thanks, Jada. It's great to be here. So I'm Lisa Noss, and I, I call myself a chronic pain recovery coach. And I work with clients one-on-one. -on -one, and instead of just managing pain, which is unfortunately what we've been taught is all we can really do for chronic pain, I help people to actually retrain their brains out of the chronic pain cycle. And it's using mind-body tools and focusing on neuroplasticity, which means that we can change our brains. And th the way that I got into this is that I had chronic pain. I actually had a headache for three years straight with not really any relief at all. If I had 10 seconds of relief ever, like every six months, that was a big deal. Yeah, and I'm sure your listeners can relate to this of trying to go to all these different doctors all the time. I mean, for you all as well, because I know you also have a story of and not getting answers and feeling like there have there have to be answers out there somewhere. And so at one point I was going to four or five doctors a week. Yep. Like, you know, practitioners of things like acupuncture and chiropractor PT, but also doctors of try like new doctors new treatments trying to get answers of why did my muscles hurt like my upper back and also why did I have a headache all the time and then yeah. why did I keep getting sicker even though I kept going to four or five doctors a week like why did I develop chronic migraine why did I develop fatigue why did I sometimes have random body aches you know all these things it didn't make sense to me that I kept getting sicker and I felt like I'm just going to keep going to doctors because like I'm the type of person that doesn't give up. So I felt like I'm going to keep going to doctors and eventually someone's going to have the answer. Like they have to, right? Is, doctor. Isn't that funny that like the common personality trait is like type A perfectionist. Oh, yeah. We will not give up. We will not give up. Like there has to be something yeah. out there, right? I mean, because what alternatives do you have, unfortunately, right? It's like you're miserable yeah. all the time, right? So, yeah. But also it's actually very interesting because that actually is a very common treat like perfectionism and like that type a type of personality of people who do get chronic pain yes 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 and same for chronic illness and we can't talk yes. about chronic pain without talking about chronic illness right because when you have a chronic pain well let's just get into your story tell us tell us what happened and what ended up what did you end up finding out tell yeah. us a little bit about that it took a while um probably like well i eventually discovered this book called The Way Out by Alan Gordon and Alone Ziv. And you know when you read a book and you're like, oh, I think this is going to be life-changing for me. But you yes. don't really have the time just how life-changing it is. Yes. Yes. So I don't know if you, do you use Goodreads at all? Do you know what uh, I like, I know the, they have a Instagram profile and I, 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 uh, I follow them. So it's I like, follow them. I don't know if I so I've been for years, I, I read a lot. So for years I've been tracking, I write like a little review of every book I read. So oh, nice. So this was um like over a little bit over two years ago, I wrote a little review of my book, you know, I gave it five stars and I said, I think this is going to be life-changing for me. But at yeah. the time I had no idea just how life-changing it would be because like it, I, I mean, I got better and I changed careers. But at the time, I was just like, oh, I think I finally found the answer of what's wrong with me that all these doctors could not figure out. Yeah. And so I learned about, so basically, there's something called neuroplastic pain. It's also called mind-body syndrome or TMS. It's, it's different, different names, same thing. But basically, what it means is that your brain kind of gets stuck in this 
this cycle, the chronic pain cycle, it's kind of like there's a switch that's turned in the on position in your brain for danger. You're nodding. I feel like you know about this already, right? Yes, 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 <laughs> okay. yes, yes. I, I just want to hear your story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm curious in the story because here's the deal is that even even if I do know verbatim what you're yeah, talking yeah. about, there's so many people that listen to this that yeah, don't. Exactly. And no, it could course, be a, a light bulb moment for them, right? And it yeah, could yeah. be like, whoa, like this, this within itself, the info that you just said in like five minutes <laughs> could be life changing. You, yeah, exactly. you just talked about a book and you just talked about something that's very real in yeah. the brain. Right. So negative it's a uh, negative feedback loop that happens that just naturally exists. But I'll let I'll let I'll let you keep explaining. Yeah. Well, so you say it's a light bulb moment. It was a light bulb moment for me because I thought there had to be like I I, I thought there was something seriously wrong with me. Cause like why did I keep, yeah. keep getting sicker? It made no sense. But this book kind of explained what was going on that my my brain was stuck in danger mode, basically. And over time, we get more sensitized to that because we have neural pathways in our brain and for everything. Like we, that's just the way our brains function, that we form patterns. And every time we learn something new, we form neural pathways as we repeat them. And so the same thing happens with chronic pain that once you're in the chronic pain cycle, like in that danger cycle, you're like, when you fear the pain, when you try to avoid it, when you try too hard to fix it, when you get frustrated by it, that reinforces those neural pathways and they get strengthened over time. And so that's how people get sicker the longer that they're in chronic pain and like chronic illness as well for many, not every chronic illness is like neuroplastic pain, but like a lot of, a lot of them are. And, and so that comes like, with it. A lot come, comes with. So a lot of times, yeah. like just, just as an example, right? So what, what my first symptoms were, were extreme bloating and food sensitivity. Mm. No matter what I had, it was bloating. And then the next thing was insomnia. And then after that was chronic pain. Mm. That was my next all over my body, my knees, yeah. my elbows, my hands, and everything always led back to gymnastics. And that was the, mm -hmm. the at that time, I hadn't realized that that was the gaslighting part that like I would go to professionals and they're like, yeah, but like, you can't be sick. Like you can't have uh chronic pain you're a gymnast like you're a national ranking world qualifying gymnast like that what do you talk about and then there was a few that were like well that's why so it was like that's why i had pain or i can't have pain because of that so it was it was that gaslighting right and so that's where it comes that's where we we gotta mesh these bridges if you will right so nothing nothing in the body happens in isolation nothing well i think sense. that's actually the really big point that's an issue is that the way that western medicine works to get technical for a second i learned yeah. that there's this term called biotechnological model which is the model that western medicine uses where basically they want to find pathology in your body like if you have cancer they're looking for a tumor if you have an infection they want to find you know whatever like the virus but it doesn't work that way for chronic pain like they're like they're looking yeah. at the body part that you're complaining about but you can't. And there's like nothing there. There's no proof. There's no evidence. There's all, yeah. Right. Like you might find something like on the MRIs, but MRIs are a whole thing on its own that are complicated because it's kind of looking with a magnifying glass and you're going to find something, but it's kind of like looking for wrinkles sort of. Like there's yeah. been studies that have, are done, have been done over with MRIs where they've had doctors look at MRIs of people who have chronic pain versus people who don't. And they can't tell the difference between who has pain and who doesn't. And, and there, it shows that over time, all these different things like disc, disc degeneration, they increase in the general population with age. So, mm. it's, so you okay. know, like these things that you might see on your, your MRI that doctors point out of like, oh, that's the reason that you have chronic pain. It doesn't mean that that's the reason, but your doctors are have this biotechnological model where they're looking, they want to find something like you're complaining to them. So they're like, oh, they're like they're they're trying to be a detective and find something. But they're focusing on their one area of specialty instead of looking at you as a whole person. So like the work I do, and I'm sure what you do as well, is the biopsychosocial model, which is you're a whole person and you have emotions and thinking about like how stressed you are and everything that's led up to that moment. And that it's not just that one body part that's hurting. Like there's more to the story and there's like clues to solve of more than just that one body part. Yep. Yep. There's there is the gut microbe that, of course, we're going to lead it all back to the gut, of course. Uh, but just uh, just talking about stress that actually on a 
physical and, and chemical level, it actually does change the gut microbe. And the gut microbe takes 24 hours to change in a good or a bad, right? And so if we have a day that we're like consistently stressed out, let's say we, what one of the biggest stressors in our lives is actually moving, moving houses, moving to a new country, moving oh, it's to- it's funny because I'm about to do that. <laughs> okay, so we need to make sure, Lisa, that you are okay. You are okay before we do that, right? So this is actually, but on a on a on a social level, um, that is one of the biggest stressors a person can have. Right now, stress, not trauma. Stress. There's a big difference, right? And so with that, the gut microbe can change. And what can happen is based on the stress level, based on how you're breathing, based on your thoughts, based on your beliefs, based on what you've been doing before the stress occurred. That all boils down to how the gut microbe reacts. As an example, and this is whole body, right? If you are taking care of your gut microbe, you know, you're drinking the broth or you're drink or you're eating things that are infused with broth, and you are getting daily sunlight, and you're doing the lymphatic drainage stuff, and you're dry brushing, and uh, you're sleeping well, and you're doing all these things, the chances of you actually having a chronic pain or developing again the chronic illness symptoms. And I say again, because many people say, oh yeah, well, I did this stuff and now I'm okay. And then something else happens in life and they're like, dude, what? What just happened? Like, why do I feel like I went back to square one, right? Well, we're not going back to square one, but the body does need to react. And I think that's another thing about chronic pain is that that negative feedback loop that you were mentioning before, right? It's a very natural process. And another example of a negative feedback loop is sweating. Sweating is great for us. It keeps us at homeostasis, right? And if we are running, if we are jogging, we're going to sweat. If it's hot outside and we're outside, we're going to sweat, right? To keep the body cool. Vice versa happens if we're cold, we're putting on layers so we can keep warm, right? So on and so forth, right? Chronic pain works very similarly, right? And so if we are doing all the things that we're supposed to, and then we have this big stress, right? We can have the chronic pain and the chronic illness symptoms come back, but maybe not as much. And I think that's where people feel like they get stuck. Is like, man, I did all this stuff and I'm still having this stuff. Like what's going on, right? I feel like this is why, again, it's so hard to create the evidence that we are looking for that, yes, taking care of my body actually does work, right? And so with your story so far from, from what we've heard so far, right, is that you found this one thing and you're like, I'm going to give it a try and I'm going to be consistent at it. So that is the most important part. It's about being consistent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what brain retraining is because that's what learning is. Like you want to change your, neur- your neural pathways. It's all about repetition. And that, yeah. like, like you're talking about, like how your thoughts matter, how your habits matter. I mean, I don't, I'm not, I'm not an, a gut expert, but hey, I know about, I know what happens in the brain when, when this is going on. Is yeah. that like, like really the best way to think of it is that what are you reinforcing? So there's like this concept of Sims versus Dims, which means Sims is safety in me and Dims is danger in me. And so when you're already stuck in the chronic pain cycle, your brain's going to stay in that chronic pain cycle and st- until it feels like the safety is higher than the danger. And so if you're continuing and like, it's tough, right? Cause like you're like, you get frustrated, you get angry, yeah. you fear the pain, like all these things, they're continuing to reinforce that danger. And, and that, that danger is reinforcing those neural pathways, but we need to unlearn that and reinforce the safety. Like that's, that's, that's like the most basic of brain retraining is being more aware of things like our thoughts and like the language we're using and how that's all contributing and also our habits and being really consistent with it because you can't just do it for like I don't know like a few days be like I did the exercises why isn't it working and getting frustrated and it has to be consistent so that you get to that point where your body is trusting you again to turn down that danger Yep. And also, yep. by the way, I'm still using these exercises that I teach my clients, these mind-body exercises, all the time. Like, it's a lifestyle change. It is a lifestyle change. I say this every single time. Like, 
I the reason I do what I do is because I was like, well, I have this education. Yeah. I have my own experience. Why don't I just mesh the two, right? Mm -hmm. And because we're still on our own journey, I think that is really powerful because a lot of, and, and again, there are great phenomenal doctors that I have met that I know that they're going right now through the medical system. They're going through the education and they know that they're like, this is not the way. So I'm mm -hmm. not talking about those people. I am talking about the professionals that just, they're just living day to day and they're not looking deeper at mm -hmm. person to person, right? The ratio of of a patient to to professional is extreme right i mean we're talking like 60 patients a day for a, for a doctor know, right we know the medical system is broken you know it's unfortunate right That's why people like us come in and are able to help because we've had that personal experience and yes. we know how to get out of it but also yes, we know it's that it's not just like first of all i don't have anything wrong with medication if it helps you that's amazing mm -hmm. i think there's more to it than that you can't just pop a pill and like expect that you're going to get better you have to actually do the work as well and be very bingo. intentional about being in touch with your body bingo bingo um let's continue with with your story because i'm just i'm really intrigued by your story i want everybody to know your story <laughs> i'm like forgetting what i was up to because i was talking about the book yes the book yes off track um okay so i yeah so i read the book the way out and I was like, all right, this is the answer. Like, this makes sense. And he, and so in the book, um, Alan Gordon gives some, he, get, he gives like some tools that you can start using. And so I definitely, if you have chronic pain, I definitely recommend reading this book. It's it's actually a very short, light read for what the topic is. It's it's easy to digest the book. Um, and so I started doing one of the exercises called somatic tracking, which is one of the most basic things that he talks about, like a lot in the book. Like basically you have to increase safety in your body. And so one way to do that is um, when we have chronic pain, we're, we're, we fear the pain, like it makes so much sense, uh, but we have to change the relationship towards it to, so that our body turns down those danger signals. And so it's kind of, somatic tracking is kind of like a meditation but instead of focusing on your breath, you're when when you feel like safe enough, when the symptoms are not so high, like if it's a eight or higher, for example, um, yeah. you don't want to do this. But if you feel like you can comfortably pay attention to the pain, I like to call it sensations instead of pain, but just so people know what I'm talking about. I pain really like that actually. Oh, yeah. I like that you're calling sensation versus pain. I like and that. Separate. I think it's important to like not identify so much. Like, I don't like to say my pain. I like to say the sensations. Like, you know, have Lisa, you are a person of my heart. You're a person of my heart. That is all the time what I say. Like, my yeah, chronic illness does not define me, right? Like, yeah, I'm my own person. But I yes. think it's important that, like, I, I'm very, like, I, I correct my clients a lot with their language, you know, of like, especially when you're saying things like, oh my gosh, it's so painful. Like, it's horrible. I'm like, let's, let's, let's like down, like, like let's turn down the language a bit because that's increasing danger. And so it's just always being aware of how we're increasing danger. Um, but anyway, for semantic tracking, the way it, it works is that you want to pay attention to the sensations with a sense of curiosity and lightness, which is not the easiest thing to do. And it takes practice. So you can start with just like a couple of minutes at a time, if that's all you can handle, even a minute. And maybe you go up to like 10, 15 minutes a day, but I'm, you know, whatever feels comfortable to you, where you're just noticing, you're not trying to force anything. It's kind of like the instruction is really to kind of watch the sensations move around in your body, like you would watch clouds in the sky. So like you really like, and the goal of this is not to try to change anything, not to try to get rid of the sensations, which is a tough counterintuitive thing for many people. But it's it's a change of relationship towards it so that you can just notice, oh, it's just sensations and I am safe. Like you want to instill messages of safety. And this is one of the tools that helps to retrain the brain. And so this is just one thing, though. Like I think it's important to note that there's a lot more than this. Um, but this is like a great place to start, as well as also things like. So I think you have to be careful around saying I'm safe if you don't feel safe, because like your brain knows if you don't feel safe, but just like. Like throughout the day, having an internal dialogue, I think helps. Like I, you yeah. know, I, I still talk to myself all the time. And like at first, I thought yeah. like, oh, this is weird. But at the this point, I'm, I'm I just do it all the time. So like getting in touch with your body more, and just like you can put your hand on your heart and be like, I got you. It's okay. 
especially when there's an increase in sensation. So these are these types of tools that I use now, but like it took me a while to get to that point. So what happened is like I read that book um, a little over two years ago. And then I had the most stressful time in my life because almost two years ago, actually, I got married and it was crazy. <laughs> you know, I'm planning a wedding and everything. You got married two years ago, like in the middle of a pandemic? Yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right. All right. That added to the stress as well. But the thing I was For sure, the thing I was most stressed about is that I wasn't feeling well, like up to that point for years. I was wearing ice on my head all the time. I had seven ice hats that I kept in my freezer and I would swap them out like every hour, hour and a half. And the way that I survived was basically wearing ice on my head because it it just like turned down the sensations a lot. And so I felt like I could function because like I took some medication, but I never it never took the edge off really. It just made me like somewhat functional, but I never really found a medication that did anything. So really it was it was I, I just walked around with ice on my head. And at, for my wedding, like, I just kind of refused to wear ice on my head that day. And I, I, I really wanted to feel well. But when you put pressure on yourself, that increases danger. And this is before I really knew this and understood this. And so I was able to have certain moments in my wedding where I felt good. But unfortunately, when I look back, it wasn't the best time. It was, I was highly emotional for like a long time leading up to it. Very stressed had a massive headache during the the like dancing part of the wedding and like unfortunately it wasn't great but i think my relationship now with my husband is good and he's been very supportive this this whole time um but also i've i've grown and learned so much since then and i'm so much more connected to my my body but i the the way so like what happened is right after my my wedding i i don't like in january um so like two years ago almost, I had the worst migraine of my life. And after that ended, I was like, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired all, all the time. I just got married. I want to enjoy my life with my husband and this really sucks. And so it was a very dark period for me. And I somehow found this coach online who is a chronic pain recovery coach. And so in February, I signed up to work with her. And because like I, I had read that book, but like... I wasn't like, it's like, it's tough to do on your own. And I wasn't really keeping up with it so much. I was letting life get in the way. I was letting like my wedding got in the way. And I didn't really know exactly what to do on my own other than the somatic tracking, you know, to have to increase safety and decrease danger. So I decided to work with this coach and I went all in with it. And with like, with her help, with like within five, the first five weeks of working with her, my symptoms started to actually begin to slip away. Like not the headache, but these other symptoms I had that I was living with for years, like brain fog went away. The migraines went away, like all these things, like I couldn't believe it. And when I, when I decided to first start working with her, healing had literally felt impossible, like completely impossible. Like I couldn't imagine ever, ever feeling better. And the only reason I started working with her was because I was desperate. And I was like, I, I might as well try this. Like the book really spoke to me, like might as well. I've tried all these other ridiculous things. Let me try this. And so I just, yeah, like I just started getting better. And I'm not saying it was easy at all, but like compared to living with chronic pain and having no hope, knowing that I was doing something every day and I was contributing slowly, like that was the hope I needed to keep going. And I was starting to see some results. And I feel like I made a breakthrough very early and that I understood that the brain is the control center for the whole body and that I just needed to focus on calming down my brain. And so like I mentioned how like I had tight upper body um, like muscles all the time. Yeah. And so I was going to all these practitioners for like years. Basically, I spent all my money on things like massages and acupuncture, like out of pocket because I couldn't get any relief for the headache. Nothing touched that. But like I was walking around with the, the most uncomfortable muscles all the time. And I just felt like so une like so un uncomfortable in my body that I needed to do something to get any sort of relief anywhere in my body. So getting massages as expensive as they were in acupuncture, that that calmed me down a bit, but it also helped to give a little bit of muscle relief. And I thought that was going to be connected to the headache. and <laughs> It wasn't, but at least it did something. So I kept doing that. 
But then when I started working with this coach and, and doing this, this, this brain retraining, this mind-body brain retraining work, I had this aha moment very early on where I realized that everything I was doing for my muscles was just a band-aid solution, that I needed to go to my brain. And when it can calm down my brain, my muscles would calm down. Like, it was just a light bulb moment for me. And I don't know, within like five weeks, really, my muscles just started relaxing. Like, it was, it felt like magic, honestly. And then I went back to these practitioners and they could not believe it. Yeah. They, like, they were all saying like, wow, what did you do? Like, it's, it's so much looser. And it's not like, it's not like my muscles were loose. They were just looser. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember the first time I went to my acupuncturist. Like a number of years ago when this, like, you know, at some point when this had started, she actually thought I had a metal plate in my back because that's how tight my muscles were. Yeah, I I don't doubt it. Yeah. (laughs) And and we had a massage therapist ask, like, say that I had the tightest muscles they had ever seen. Um, Other than this is a weird thing, but this like stood with me. I had the tightest muscle she had ever seen in her 30 years of working other than Hulk Hogan's brother. Like just, I had this oh, like weird thing. Okay. Know, you're right? a celebrity, Lisa. You're a celebrity. <laughs> but like, but you know what? It made me feel like good in some way because I was like telling my husband, I was like, "See, I knew I'm not making it up. I know I'm teen." But then that kind of reinforced it, right? Like it reinforces yes. that walk with you. Yes. And isn't that funny that many times, many times, the little things that we view that become normal that become normal in our lives, right? It's only after we're starting to see the results, we're Mm -hmm. like, oh, it was that bad, right? And I think that's also on that same token why people do take a hot minute to do something and reach out to someone that actually can help them. And I think that is what it is, is that I think a lot of people just like me, just like you, We're sick and tired of being sick and tired, exactly how you said. And it's at that point that I also believe, I personally believe, and I I see this with my clients and we get on a connection call and I talk to them and I'm like, you are the literal spitting image of me 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Like, right. And, And that's when I know that these people are exactly where they are supposed to be. And I think that that's another thing is that when we're when we're open minded, because I think everybody is open minded, it just depends on what your umbrella looks like, if you will. Right. They say that the 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 brain works the best if it functions like an umbrella. Right. So open minded. Right? <laughs> what? Haven't heard that. Oh, yes. It's one of like my favorite quotes. I don't know who said it, but I read it a long time ago. It was at Wayne State University when I was in college. Um, and, um, that whole thing actually comes from that. The more that we're open to, to receive, the more that we can give back. Right. And so what I'm hearing is that you were so sick and tired of being sick and tired that this practitioner pretty much almost came to you and you were like, man, like on a random Thursday, I'm like, Oh, look, this person is going to help me. Right. And I think a lot of people really force um, and continue to stay in that cycle of the gaslighting, the no self-advocacy. Right. And we kind of force that because we're like, well, no, I need help. Well, no, I need help. And no, I need help. Right. But there is so much peace and there's so much healing on this other side if you just learn to let it go. And I think that's another, you know, sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I just going to say, I think it's tough to get to that point, though. Very. Very. I think I think that's the hardest part. I think that's the hardest part. Yeah. I think showing showing up for your, for yourself consistently, that's something that you can practice, right? But how does one go from, you know, having this consistent headache or having this consistent bloating or feeling my food relationship tanked, right? Like I was I was borderline bulimia, right? Because I was so convinced that no matter what I ate, no matter what I did, it just it wasn't going to help me. Right. And so I was like, well, I have oxygen. I have oxygen. I'll be fine. I'll survive. Right. But my mental health, my mental health, that's when the chronic pain started. That's when insomnia, all the things. Right. And so I think about that. And it really is that fact coming back to that is that 
it wasn't until I was consistent with myself. And I think that's the thing is like a lot of people think they have to start at such a high level. They have to start at, you know, I don't know, like they just have to start somewhere else. I don't know. I don't know how to explain that. But but I feel like where we're where we can start, especially in chronic illness and chronic pain is there is that how am I going to show up consistently for myself? And I think I think that book really was you showing up for yourself consistently. And when you found that, you're like, this is it. This is it. That's like me with gut health. <laughs> well, the thing, though, is that I read that book and I was like, oh, let me do somatic tracking every day. But yeah. then I've seen this with so many people and myself as well, where you let life get in the way, where you're not prioritizing it because like it's just too hard and like life is too busy and there's other things. Like I had my wedding, I had my honeymoon, like, you know, yeah. I wasn't prioritizing it. And yeah. I I personally learned for myself that I needed someone's help, that I needed a coach to hold me accountable. And I think a lot of people like, you know, we're all like this type A personality. We want to do it on our own. And like, you know, that's how that's how we just operate. Yeah. But like yeah. realizing that I really needed that type of help. That's that was the turning point for me. When did you did you have like a aha moment of like, OK, yeah, I can't do this anymore by myself? Well, yeah, actually, I had a very tough moment. I mean, I had that that horrible migraine, which is the worst one I ever had. And yeah. I went to the neurologist and I mentioned the book The Way Out. And he was very dismissive of it. He said he's mm -hmm. not a psychiatrist. And I, mm -hmm. and like, I basically, I was just said, like, I think this book is really great. And I think it might be helpful to your patients. Like, I would recommend that you read it and maybe recommend it to them. And he's like, he like, didn't even want to read it. I told other doctors about it. And they're like, oh, okay, that's not interesting. But he just like, like flat, like he could have lied and said like, okay, I'll read it. He just said like, no, I'm not going to read it. Like, I'm like, really? I, I, I like that just like, I didn't want to go back to him after that. I was like, really? You can't even just like lie to me and say you're going to read the book. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like that, so that just yeah. really give you know, save me. save me face save me yeah. face right like right. come on now right yeah yeah um and and again it comes back to I'm sure this this coach that helps you out as well is also someone that aligns with your values with your morals you guys very very much clicked and you guys were like oh this person because mm -hmm. I had a lot of resentment I realized around all these neurologists I go to who had never had a migraine in their life. And yes. like, I understand you can go to a doctor who hasn't had the, who hasn't, who can help you, who hasn't had the condition. Like someone can be a cancer doctor and be amazing and have yeah. never had cancer. Like, I get it. Like, of course. Yeah. But like, right. I think there's just something about like someone who's never had a migraine, who's like, can't understand how like, they just don't like, it's just, they don't get it, you know? And so I, I personally had resentment around it. And so when I was working through a, a coach who had been where, where I had been and that helped so much. And so within, you know, I was telling you how like that within those five weeks, I like I started started clicking for me. And so I do want to point out though, like I share this with people, like I share this on Instagram and everything. And people are like, oh, you got better in five weeks. I started to like this is like like I was I, I I'm still consistent with it. Like I still do all these things all the time. It's just that after having a headache for three years, nearly three years at that point, with like not a change in symptoms, like not like nothing changing at all. And just getting worse, I started to have symptoms go away. Mm. Like that was mm. the, that was the turning point, you know, of feeling like things were getting better. It's not like all of a sudden magic wands, everything goes away. I've had to put in consistent work, and I still do these things. Yeah, like I realized yep. for myself that I need to keep doing the work, and that there's mm -hmm. but I do want to say though that like at like at I remember this. It was seven weeks into working with her where I just had this like another aha epiphany moment, light bulb moment, if you will, where I just realized that I want to become a chronic pain recovery coach as well. And that this is what I'm meant to do. And that more people, I just felt like more people need to know this information. Why is it the best kept secret in the world? Like why, why don't doctors know this information? And I just became so lit up so fired by this information that i wanted to do something so then i started taking training courses and i think that helped me as well to like you know be more into it and i also yeah. have a psychology background like that's what i studied in undergrad like okay. I have a psychology and so i've always been into the brain 
And yeah. so I've been studying it, you know, since then I've, I've learned so much and now I'm helping other people. And like, that's amazing that I'm, that now that I'm at the point now where my story is helping other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. You mentioned that you had other symptoms as, as one, as, so the migraine was the biggest one. Well, what was the, 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 the chronic headache was the biggest. One. The chronic headache. Okay. Was the biggest one. Okay. What, what other symptoms were you having and what, what did that feel like? And what did that feel like as you were going through this journey? What did it feel like to have those symptoms disappear first and then have the chronic headaches slowly disappear? Probably fourth, fifth, sixth, probably 10th symptom that probably <laughs> went away, right? What did that feel like? What were they? Well, so um, I had chronic migraine. I wouldn't say it was as intense as other people's. Like for me, it was like sometimes I would have like episodes of migraine, but for a lot. Of Do not dismiss your level of pain. <laughs> Do not dismiss your level of pain. Right. Your pain is your pain. Thank you. But it was, it was for me, it was more that I felt like I was living in a brain fog all the time. I couldn't think straight. And that I had like a lot of blurred vision. Like there would be so many times where I just couldn't, I just couldn't work. I couldn't see the computer. Like there's like, I just, if my vision would go in and out of focus, I went to all these eye doctors and <laughs> no specialists and everyone's like, your vision is fine. So I learned it was my brain, um, but that That's was like scary. Really, I, I wasn't scared though because I knew it was my brain. Like, yeah, I yeah. Hated, so I wasn't actually scared. I was more frustrated by that symptom because I was like, "Great, yeah. well, I can't see anything. Wonderful." I think <laughs> I think of that when I think of vision. I just think of after I had my son. Um, I thought it was normal to see stoplights and see the car lights and everything in a line. I thought it was normal, and then after I had my son. Um, we had, um, we had Medicare when I was, when I was pregnant with my son and they do like a, uh, a postnatal, uh, optometry, uh, and all these other appointments, you know? And I was like, I don't need optometry. I was like, whatever. And my but husband was new for me. Yeah. 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 Oh, for okay. me. And I was like, okay, like if it's free, I'm going to take advantage of it. And um, that was when I got diagnosed with astigmatism. And I was like, I don't know. I, what? Me? I have astigmatism? No, that's like where you see like lines and you see blurry. And he's like, and he literally showed me a picture. He's like, at night when you drive, what do you see? This picture or this picture? And I was like, the lines. Yeah. Why? That's normal. And he's like, no, it's no. not. So. That's why I wear a glass when I when I have a big computer day, like either on podcast here or um doing the plan of action for clients or food guide or lab reviews or any of that stuff. These babies are on because I will have such a splintering headache in the front of my brain and my eyes are so tired, so tired. So that's why like when I hear like vision coming in and out, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm scared. I was scared when like they're like, yeah, I have a stigmatism. I was like, whoa, but like, and then I went to yeah. a specialist. I forget like what kind of specialist, but he did all these tests and nothing. Yeah, but so there's that. Um, like it was really just a lot of migraine type vision sort of symptoms and brain fog, and then the constantly tight muscles was another thing. Um, the fatigue. I had really bad fatigue certain episodes where it was kind of scary actually there are some times where i can like go on long walks and then there are other times where i couldn't get off my couch and yeah. i never knew what i was gonna get um yeah so that that's actually been one of the toughest things for me i think because i feel like when you have pain you can still like do stuff like to an right. extent but when you have fatigue right. you just like you just feel like you can't do anything i would have like so many times where i just like couldn't do anything were you were your like periods normal bowel movements normal all that was fine um yeah well at the very beginning of this whole thing i did have anemia and a fibroid so i did have surgery for that so i was very very anemic and so at the this was like when when this all started i i just thought like okay they found that i'm anemic the headache is going to go away soon yeah and then i had the surgery and everything and the headache didn't go away yeah so, yeah so that's when i learned like all right there's more to this than just like because i was waiting like a month after the surgery and i thought like 
clearly like it's it may just take some time for my body to get adjusted to not being anemic anymore like everything's just gonna go back to normal my blood levels are like once they're normal everything will be fine i'll wait like one more month after and then i won't have a headache yeah. anymore. but that yeah. doesn't happen and the reason for that is because our brain goes into this this cycle right like the danger mode is on and so you can't, so like we might be focused on like once once we take care of that procedure once we do that everything will be okay but once your brain is in that state this is really important you have to retrain your brain out of that state that just because you're doing all these other things like decreasing stress, that's not enough once your brain is in that, I call it a hypervigilant state. Like once your brain is in the chronic pain cycle, you have to train your brain now at this point to turn down the danger signals. Yep. Yep. The same thing. Uh, so the same cycle happens in chronic illness, uh, chronic fatigue, uh and when i talk about chronic illness like chronic illness even from rheumatoid arthritis to type 2 diabetes to uh hashimotos to all all the things that you and and i want to very 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 abundantly and vividly explain chronic illness and why there is sort of this gap and why this episode is going to help mesh this gap is because a lot of people only think of chronic pain they're like, okay, well, there's nothing else going on in my body. Again, coming back to the thing that I said before is that nothing in the body happens in isolation, right? And um, in chronic illness, a lot, besides the fact that there's like constant gaslighting and, right, because it's it's chronic illness and chronic pain are both equally, they're called invisible illness. And there's actually a book, Lisa, that I recommend you also uh, check out it is called The, the, the Invisible... The Invisible Kingdom. Um, it's by Megan Okra. Hold on. Someone just recommended this book to Megan O'Rourke or something. I just yes recommended this book to me this week actually. Yes. So the the whole name is The Invisible Kingdom by Megan Okra. I don't know what just happened, but anyways, um, anyways, uh, the Invisible Kingdom. Uh, the Invisible Kingdom, and then uh, re reimagining chronic illness. So that who's, book, who's the author, Megan O'Kirk, Megan O, Megan O, something like that. <laughs> I have this book. <laughs> I even have it, and I'm like, yeah. Uh, but reimagining, re reimagining chronic illness. Yeah. Okay, this book is also really great for chronic pain because, uh, before before my my online practice was called Jada's Digest. It was actually called Jada's Gym. And I used to have a lot of fitness people trying to like add me and trying to, you know, whatever. And the reason why, because when we think of gym, we think about muscles and we think about working out and we think about that kind of stuff, right? Physical activity, right? But the reason I I, I used to be called Jada's Gym and um, almost one and a half years ago now, I changed it to Jada's Digest was because Jada's gym for me stood as that muscle that we continuously work on, the muscle that rewires your brain, the vagus nerve, right? And we could have a whole episode just about the vagus nerve, but um, I don't want to get overly complicated here. And so when we talk about chronic pain and chronic illness, there is this, like I said, besides the, the gaslighting, the prescription pills, the supplements and all that, there's this other side of like, you know, maybe if I do surgery, maybe if I do this, maybe if I do that, and we consistently are waiting as time proceeds to just wait for the next thing, right? And we kind of go through this process of elimination and say, well, I'm going to do the supplement regimen or I'm going to do this prescription pill regimen that my practitioner told me, that my naturopath doctor told me, right? All, all these things. And, and and again, and I say this wholeheartedly because it's not just doctors. It is also the nature path. It is also the functional medicine that are doing this thing, right? And so we go to these practitioners and we go to these professionals and they're like, yeah, like this is going to help you and you have to give it time and you have to give it time. And as I said, I'm a firm believer in time. I'm a firm believer that time heals a lot of things, right? But also the whole time that you're waiting on this next thing, you're still in pain, you know? You're still in pain. Like, and I've had the same thing where you want to try one thing at a time to know that that's the thing that's working, right? Because you, exactly. you use many variables at the same time. You don't know which one is the thing that's working. Exactly, exactly, right? And so with that being said, there's this 
world really like it's it's as if we're just in this like these four walls and then once we open up a, this pandora box if you will it's like there's this whole other world where it instead of delaying i say delaying not self-sabotaging we are delaying this actual inner work in the simple yes yes I think we need to shout that louder. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. I'm going to repeat it. Delaying the inner work. Um, The more we do that, the more we're going to go to the next thing, whatever it is, right? Because we live in this society where there is so much information and we do have so many choices. But what if we pivot and we say, you know, the choices that I have today is I am going to go outside for 10 minutes because that's all we need. We don't need a whole day outside and like we don't need this like extravagant thing, right? Just 10 minutes outside is going to do wonders for your gut microbe. It's going to do wonders for your inflammation. It's going to do wonders for your thyroid. It's going to do wonders for all that, right? And then when we talk about chronic pain, and I and I have said this for, for so long, by the time you have chronic pain, that chronic illness is is already all over your body and it's showing up in so many rays. Right. So whether it is mispeers, whether whether it is fibroids, whether it is anemia, whether it is right. And I say this wholeheartedly. If you go to the doctors and those results come back that there's a few things off, you've already gone down this rabbit hole. I think people don't realize it at that point, which is unfortunate. But I think the advice that I would give to everyone Mm -hmm. listening is that I understand you want to do the things like there's certain things coming up like you know I had to have like iron infusions because I was anemic I wish yeah. at the same time, I didn't know but I wish that I did some of this work of increasing safety in my body and yeah. like a very simple way to do it is just to start being kinder to yourself like that's I think like self-compassion is one of the things I've had to learn from this process and if you if you just practice more self-compassion every single day you can do that at the same time you're doing all these other things. That's like one little thing that helps to retrain your brain. Like, even if you don't know that that's what's going on, just like having more self-compassion, giving yourself like a hug multiple times a day and saying, I got you, it's okay. And like decreasing that sense of danger, changing that language around like, oh, my pain is so bad. Like just anything you can do to decrease all that danger, that all helps so much. And you can do that at the same time that you're getting these other treatments if that's the course that you want to go down. Bingo. Bingo. That's exactly where I wanted to end up is that you can still do these things, but this still needs to happen, right? Yeah. The inner work and that. You can you can do that simultaneously. And chances are, if you are doing those things, let's let's give a great example. You're doing a supplement regimen, right? And the very truth be told, right, is that there's a, I already did a it's a three parter about supplement regimen, um, and you guys can go back and, and listen to to those three episodes. But it was actually originally a masterclass that I did in the spring of uh, 2023, and it's out now. So if you want to check that out and w- understand why I'm not for supplements and why supplements is the last of the last of the last things, is because of this. If you are, if your nervous system, you if you are producing so much of the cortisol the aldosterone the progesterone if you are producing all that and then and then we get into like estrogen dominance and those things right but point being is that if we are producing a lot of the stress hormones and we're not producing enough the, of the relaxing hormones like serotonin and dopamine and melatonin right so if those things are off on a scientific level even if you were to do this this supplement regimen it's still not going to work for you the prescription pills, still not going to work for you, right? And so when we're, and, and again, we're we're talking very, you know, like vague, right? We're, we're, we're like, yeah, like do some inner work and like, yeah, watch the clouds go by, right? And it's like, <laughs> I know, I know very well because I used to be that person. Like I would hear someone tell me that and I'd be like, you're kidding. Like you next thing you're going to tell me, yeah. right? And, and like, honestly, my next thought would be next thing you're going to tell me is like, sing kumbaya like come on now you know like nah right now it really yeah but it really takes is making your body feel safe yeah that's, the, that's the most important the most that's that's the thing that's like 
make your body feel safe. And if for you, Lisa, if it's for reading, if it's for looking at clouds, if it's for being outside, if it's for getting cozy on the couch, whatever it may be, then that's yours. And that's for you to cherish. And that's for you to continuously show up for yourself. A lot of people think even even maybe at the beginning of this episode, you hear me say, like, show up for yourself. Maybe you're like, yeah, go to the gym or uh, dry brush or whatever. But showing up for yourself can simultaneously we can coexist and we can say, oh, you know what? Today, I'm just going to sit on the couch and sit broth all day. Like, if that's what your body needs, do it. Because then that's when that's where we come to this um the the threshold truly there is a biological threshold that we have and why even even like how you were saying earlier like yeah it's not the pain wasn't as bad as as other people that's your threshold and that's what's really important too is that don't compare my story to someone else's story or your story to my story right we all have we are so unique in such a phenomenal way that pain and symptoms show up in all sorts of way so for me it is so hard to say like you know i i don't think i could bear to have this consistent headache for that long i don't know i don't know be i will never know i hope knock on wood right but in in vice versa right we are put in 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 life and we are put for a purpose and exactly how you said i do think that you going through this I think you're going to help so many people because you do know and you've been through the realms and you've felt it and you've gone through a really big stressor, which is planning a wedding while you're doing this. And I think that's another thing that that, you know, to just make a point is to really say, you know, I've been through this. Oh, I could totally do this then. Right. Like I've been through X, Y, Z. You know, I've planned a whole wedding, a beautiful, amazing wedding while I felt this pain, while I had this headache. Yeah. Oh, I could totally do this, right? And I think, yeah, go ahead. No, no, sorry, finish, please. I just I just wanted to say, and I think, I think that's the whole thing of giving yourself evidence. And again, coming back to the self-compassion, because that's what self-compassion is. And I actually have another recommendation. Uh, so what was, what was your book? Because I definitely want to repeat that. And I just want to do a list of books real quickly. So we had by alan gordon and alon ziv but if you look up alan gordon you'll find it alan gordon okay spell alan gordon a-l-l-e-n a-l-a-n a-l-a-n see huh huh <laughs> okay alan gordon okay and then the other book um um uh, the invisible kingdom reimagining chronic illness and then the third book i'm gonna recommend personally is the science of self-compassion by kelly mcgonigal this is such a beautiful. First, I listened to it um, uh, as like an audible. And then so I listened to it twice as an audible. And then I actually just ordered it because I have been like listening, if you will, not reading, but listening to this for five years now. For five years, it was, it was I started it before my son was born. And my son is four. He's about to be five in January. So for five years, I have been going through the same book over and over the self-compassion again we are really thinking that it's like selfish i think that's the next thought process right oh my god that's selfish to like hug your body it's selfish to like right but that's at the same level your body keeping homeostasis is on the same psychological need as food and water yeah the other thing i'll say with that is i haven't read that book i'll check it out but I've heard that the expert on self-compassion is Kristen Neff. And so she also has books on self-compassion. And those are the ones that I read. I've heard I've heard of her as well. I haven't dived, dived into her work yet, yet. But there's so much. There's yeah. so much in this world and there's so many resources. Yeah. Uh, the Body Keeps the Score, a phenomenal book as well, right? But I, I want mean- to just caution, though. I, I feel like that book needs a trigger warning, honestly, on it about yes. Trauma. It's an, it's an yes. intense book. Intense. I. It took me a long time to get through it the first that time. Too. A very long time. Yeah. 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 So I don't think everyone needs to read that book. I think that the very quick summary of that book is that we, our bodies remember everything, like trauma, if you will, but like any wounds, anything we've gone through in our life. And if we don't process those emotions, it holds onto it in our bodies. 
like that's what it means by the body keeps the score and so actually yeah. part of the work I do, like a big part of the work I do is also emotional work as well because I believe that that is a part of pain and that a lot of times with pain, for people with chronic pain and this actually isn't mentioned in the book the way out but I think this is and people have different approaches to healing chronic pain for sure you know it's like the safety which I believe in you know getting to the a point of safety is very important the other part though I personally believe and many other people do as well is that there's going to be emotions that we have to process and allow our body to feel safe getting to that point of accessing those emotions and a lot of times for many people with chronic pain the pain our bodies feel like our subconscious feels that touching our emotions is so dangerous that our body is going to give us physical symptoms instead and so it's like layers of this work that first you have to feel more comfortable and feel like you're the the sensations are safer so you can work through that and then get to those layers of emotions like i'm still at the point now where i'm doing deep emotional work on myself yeah i've noticed after like the pain goes away like now at this point where like for me like the work hasn't ended but like i'm at the point where it's like a joy to do this work and like connecting to my body and i hope other people yes as well but i'm at this point where i have this like deep anger in my body like probably generational anger and so i'm doing work all the time of like screaming and moving my body around like in private and yeah if people saw me they think like i'm crazy and like whatever but like I think it's safer to be that. We don't think so. We don't think so, Lisa, because I'm sure that uh, I'm sure people listening have done it. Me and my children do that. So this is something brand new that we've started. Oh, are they they learning this in school now? No. So this is something that um, that we started doing like with my kids, because like I said, my kids are still young, right? They're four and two. They're about they're about to be five and three, but um, they're still young. But there's a lot of um, regulation that needs to happen, especially when when you're a parent, especially because now you're trying to regulate other people's emotions that are not fully developed and they don't understand their emotions, right? So it's a whole different ballgame. And there is so much of like this inner dialogue in myself. This is me just being transparent here. There's so much of this inner dialogue and there's so much questioning. I question more if I'm a good mom more than I question the weather so much because we're we're giving our heart and our soul to our kids and making sure that they're not, you know, buttholes, you know, in society, right? That's really the goal, right? It's like, that's the goal now. And one of the things that we started doing is actually, so we have a broomstick, okay? And on our bed, they like hit a pillow or they hit the mattress. And yesterday we literally did this. And my son was so angry about like karate and all this stuff. And he just like was hitting the, he was hitting the, the, the bed. And he was just like, yeah, this is making me mad. And he was just so angry. And just to create that safety of anger is okay. Sadness is okay. These things are okay. Let's just, let's, let's understand them. Because I feel like, again, same thing. It's, it's the inner work, right? I rather have my kid and I rather have myself really do these things as as they come, if you will, as like, what is this emotion? What am I processing? Because that's another part of 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 my of my chronic illness is uh, because of my past. There's actually um, it's a psychological term Um, and it's actually the brain has not when it was developing and what emotions mean and what they look like. My brain did not make that proper connection. So my brain, and right now, I'm still going through the rewiring. I've been doing this since I've been 21. Now I'm 31, so for 10 years. Uh, But really rewiring my brain to understand what emotion feels like, looks like, so then I can actually put put a name and a label on, if you will, on this is what anger looks like, what it feels like, what it looks like, right? Really bringing that up, right? And so for... Sorry. That's incredible. But also that shows what neuroplasticity is and how incredible it is that we can change our brains. And that's that's yes. like the thing that I think we, we need, that we can change our brains. But also exactly. based on what you said, I, I'm just from that little thing yep. that you said, I think that you're an incredible parent because I, I don't think 
I don't know, growing up, I didn't learn emotional regulation. I feel like it's like a generational thing. I mean, maybe some people did. A thousand percent, I think. My parents yeah. didn't either. My parents, my parents were very like, work hard and life should be hard if you want yeah. to succeed, right? Like, yeah. yeah, but I think it's so, it's like, this is something I've been struggling with lately is like figuring out emotional regulation. But I like, I feel like I've, I've learned like, and this is a, I, I believe that this is another layer of healing from chronic pain that you have these deep yes. emotions that are underneath the pain. Yeah. Like, I don't want to like overwhelm and scare people to not start this work. I think it's such important yeah. work to do, but like, I'm at the point every day now where I'm so grateful for how far I've come, but I'm also excited about the journey of it. And I know that sounds like crazy because like it's hard. I can understand how hard it is to understand of like, why do you want to keep doing this work on yourself? But at this point, like it really is a joy to get closer to my body. I feel like before I got sick, I felt like I, I was taking my body for granted and didn't wasn't on this close level. I didn't love my body. Like I am I have such a good relationship with my body now. Like it's unbelievable how Yes. Like I personally walk around like I kind of do like inner child work. I don't, I don't want to like get into yeah. being a basic yeah. I kind of think that I just have like a little like girl version of myself walking around with me all day and I like yes. her as if like I don't have any children yet, but I, I think of her as my child and that if I'm cranky and like that's the child part that needs my attention and I'm I'm attending to her all day. And so I think when people are having trouble prioritizing their health and like putting other things first, I think a good way to think of it, especially if you're a parent and you're busy with your other your, with your kids, think about that you have another child that's yourself to take care of. And like I think that can help to reframe of like why it's so important to take care of yourself. Also the yeah, whole, whole concept of putting on your own oxygen mask first so that you can be there for everyone else. I was just going to say, because that really is the reality, is like how we can't, we can't. And, and again, coming back to this, taking care of yourself and keeping your body as, at, at homeostasis is on the same level of food and water. <laughs> food and water yeah. and homeostasis, keeping your body in homeostasis, like no pains, no aches. No bloating, no food sensitivities, right? Uh, good skin, because that was a huge part of my story, right? Like all that stuff. This is this is basic needs. Yeah, it is not selfish. Yeah. It is not anything. You are you are you are covering your bases, my friend. <laughs> That's what you're doing by yeah. just that. So but if I you do that, like so, I want to. I do mm. want to say to everyone that, like, if you're not there yet, if it feels impossible. I'm sure you've been there. I've been there where I literally thought I'd be wearing ice on my head for the rest of my yeah. life until until maybe I was an old lady. Maybe my hormones would be like balanced out or something and I wouldn't need ice anymore. But I couldn't imagine a future where I didn't have a headache and didn't wear ice on my head. Yeah. But, you know, things are just really good now. And I feel like I, I feel like I keep getting better and better. I don't I still don't yeah. feel like I'm 100%. I still feel like I'm doing all this like inner work and like a lot of emotional regulation stuff. But like I keep, I feel like I keep getting better, and it's just like exciting. I'm not like looking to get to a certain destination. I'm just like, I'm just like enjoying the process at this point. And like for a long time, you're just like, I don't want to be in pain anymore. And so of course, it's like hard to understand how you can enjoy the process. But just like the amount of gratitude I feel every day, and if I'm having a hard day, I and I stop and think like, I'm worrying about this. Like I'm, I'm hitting at this moment. Like how amazing is that? Like and then like like I come back to the reality of like how incredible is this? And you know I think that 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 helps me. That that that, that right there. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. And that's where that's again just start. Start messy. Start sad. Start angry. Start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Start. Right? Yeah. And feel your emotions. Like it is okay. Let your emotions out. If you feel that anger, don't feel like, oh, I can't be angry. Like let it out. In a in like a let safe controlled environment. In a safe I was gonna say in a safe environment. And also it takes practice to do that. Because I did yeah. not wake up, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. I did not wake up and I'm like, oh, so today we're gonna let out our anger. Like, no, absolutely not. This took like years of me crying myself to sleep. It oh, took yeah. years of like going to a boxing gym and punching the bag. It took yeah, years yeah. of doing this, all these things to myself and really then sell the replications after because if I do that to myself, then others also yeah. get, like reap reap the, because we, we, we can reap the benefits and then we can reap the 
the negative about it, right? And so I, I was seeing that, right? And so all these things, it's like, oh, look at that. So if I'm just, if I just acknowledge the emotion, if I acknowledge that it's there, then the next step would be, let's do something about it, right? Yeah. So beautiful, Lisa. I love it. I absolutely love it. Tell us where people can find you, what you got going on, all that good yeah. stuff. I mean, I, you know, I'm loving this conversation. I feel like we can talk for another hour, but honestly, we'll have to do another conversation. We can come. Yeah, we could do we could do a, a repeat. Absolutely. <laughs> but it's nice to find someone who gets me and like we get each other, you know. Yes. Um, but, yeah, yes. You can, but yeah, thank you for having me. It's been so great. And you can find everyone can find me at Lisa Noss Coaching on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. I love for you to reach out to me and let me know that you found me here. And also, if you'd love to work with me, if this sounds like the type of thing, if you have chronic pain and you're struggling, you know, I work with clients one-on-one -on -one and I'm, they're supporting you all week long. Like we have voice memo support in between sessions. So reach out to me again on social media or you can go to lisanoscoaching.com. Beautiful. I love that. I love that. Lisa, thank you so much for this beautiful conversation, for such beautiful golden nuggets here thank you so much uh if you have gotten this far on the episode tell us what you think give it a like uh give it a download tell your friends about it have a discussion about it at your dinner table tonight we want to hear what you guys are thinking because this is really going to help it's kind of like help me help you if you will if you liked this uh, conversation then we can have lisa again or we can have someone as well as a guest expert talking again about chronic pain or the gut-brain connection. All right, guys, that is all. I will see you guys on the next episode. Have a great day. Bye.